Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Payne Show. I have a guest in my studio that this is our second try to get you here. The last time, it Mm. was quite an ordeal. You Mm. had a flat tire on the way that you... I heard you learned how to change a flat tire on the side of the highway. Is that correct? Long story short. Okay. A little road trip with my daughter. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. My eight-year-old is going to be awesome. We get a flat tire on the way. We're like an hour out. And I was like, no big deal. I've got like AAA. It's all good. Call them. They're like, we'll be there in 30 minutes. 30 minutes goes by. And I'm like, this can't be like, we can't do this. We've got a little buffer here. We can't do this. I FaceTime my dad and I'm like, I need to learn how to change a tire right now. Now, unfortunately, it took a little longer than we thought, okay? <laughs> and we didn't make it, but I get in the car and I'm like so sweaty, sticky. I look crazy. And my daughter goes, mom, I'm so proud of you. Oh. <gasps> you changed a tire. Like you can do anything. And I was like, we can't do anything. <laughs> so it was such a beautiful moment, but my little achiever was hurt. I was so crushed. But yeah, that's what happened. But we're here now. Well, we're so glad to have you here. And before we jump into all the things, because I know we have a lot to talk about, yeah. I'd just love for you to take a minute. So your name, I forgot to say that. That's important. It's Tony, Tony Collier. And you are the founder of Broken Crowns, Crayons. I always say crowns. No, everybody crayons, says it differently. Still color. People get on to me for that. Um, I think it's from, I'm from Kansas. It's we, must, we call it crowns in Kansas. Anyway. And you have a new book, Brave yeah. Enough to Be Broken, How to Embrace Your Pain and Discover Hope and Healing. Mm. I'd love for you to just take a minute to introduce yourself. Well, yeah. My name is Tony Collier, originally from Texas, best state in the world, best thing you need to know about me. Now, we're a little crazy in Texas, but we own it. I do live in Atlanta, Georgia, however, for like 13 years, <laughs> so I should probably claim it. Um, but I live there with my husband, who is such a huge part of my redemption story. It's my second marriage. Um, got it real right this time. So grateful for that. We're a blended family. I have a daughter, eight-year-old strong-willed blessing <laughs> is what we call her because it helps us sleep at night. And then we have a seven-month-old uh, little boy. And I just get to travel and speak and write mm. about this idea of brokenness and what God says about it, how we can be more whole within ourselves and for our families and as parents. And yeah, that's like me in a nutshell. So you start off the book in your introduction. There was something that I immediately mm. <laughs> underlined. Success is contingent, not upon perfection, Mm-mm. but upon our surrender. Oh, yeah. And you have had a lot of opportunities to surrender mm-hmm. in your life. So yeah. tell us a little bit about what is this? What does brokenness, what does that look like for yeah. you in your journey? Yeah. Well, I, you know, had a pretty cool childhood, but then at eight years old, my mom has a massive stroke and it completely tears up our family. Mm. Uh, my dad goes into like full on overdrive at work and he becomes very verbally abusive to us. My brothers were a blended family and two of them went to live with their moms and one of my brothers went to drugs and all the other things. And 
Then there was just little old eight-year-old Tony taking mm-hmm. care of my mom who was super sick. My uh, counselor now would call it parentification. It's when you mm-hmm. become the caregiver of your parent too soon. And so a lot of awe and wonder from my childhood was you know, taken away from me. I didn't have the opportunity to do all the things that little kids were doing because I was making sure that my mom was alive and helping her with medicine and doctor's appointments. And from there, it was hard because I wasn't really protected as a little girl. And so I've got sexual manipulation and abuse from family members. As a little girl, I ended up losing my virginity to an older man at 13, started numbing with alcohol and drugs and partying at 14 and 15. I ended up leaving my parents' house at 16, mm. but myself through college though, which was really good. Mm. So I really wanted to make my dad proud. But I was living this double life. I was partying. I was sleeping with guys. And I mean, it was just not good. I mean, there was a lot of nights of college I don't quite remember. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then battled with an eating disorder and decided that instead of going to law school and pursuing this career, I was going to get married at 19. And so, yeah, ended up in that marriage. And it was really abusive just all over again. And I ended up getting pregnant with a daughter in that marriage. And I would say she's the one that really helped me to see that we should and could live a better, more safe life. And so transitioned out of this marriage, I get saved. I go to this church that's also abusive and I get out of this church environment and I just hit rock bottom. And um, what happened, I think, was that for the first time, my brokenness felt bigger than my ability to heal and to be redeemed. And I just, I don't know, I had the question like, God, where were you? Like, where were you? And I think out of that brokenness, I finally came to a place where I said, I could do something about this Mm -hmm. and I have to do something about this because I have a daughter whose life and the wholeness of her life depends on it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's this like a little little, little nutshell. So you said, I have to do something about this. Yeah. Talk to us about what that was. Ooh, child. Well, the first thing is awareness. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out, and I had to ask myself the honest question, like, how do you just keep ending up in these abusive situations? Mm. Like, how do how does that even happen? Like, how do you go from an abusive home and childhood and into an abusive marriage into abusive church environment? Like, it just seems like abuse is following you everywhere. And I think out of that question came the realization that I what happened was I just took all of my little childhood wounds and I just like carried them into my adulthood. I never did anything about it. I didn't go to counseling. I didn't seek healing to the point where my, you know, childhood wounds turn into adult scars that are healed and sealed and come from a hopeful place. And so after that, after like a real deep reflection, I went to counseling, sat down in the counseling office and I said, listen, I don't know how long all this is going to take. Okay. But we need to go to the fast track here because I'm trying to be a great parent. I'm trying to raise this kid. And my counselor just, you know, looked at me, chuckled and was like, we got a long journey, my girl. You've got about 24 years mm-hmm. of abuse and trauma and all the things. And so it's going to take a, a while to unwire that and rewire it into healthy patterns. Mm-hmm. But I was willing to do the work and I went to counseling every week for two years. Mm-hmm. And then I went into EMDR, which is a trauma treatment, went on a few spiritual encounters to correct my little faith because uh, I had lost a lot of faith in God mm-hmm. and the church and all that. And um, still on this journey now, but at least in a place where I have hope, which mm. is just the belief that things can and will get better. Mm. Yeah. So where did you get that hope from? Because mm. I feel like there's a lot of people who have gone through so much brokenness that get to the place of just like, I don't even want to try again because yeah. I feel like I'm just going to land in the same spot. Yeah. People will say that our valleys take us out because of the pain. 
I think our valleys take us out because of the hopelessness. Mm. I don't think it's pain that takes us out. I think for many of us, we could probably look back in our story and say, I've been through some really hard things and I came out of it. Mm. Like I'm not still in it. Even if, it, you know, we're in pain right now, I think we can look back in our stories and say, oh, man, I really endured that. Like, but when we're hopeless, when I was hopeless, those were the moments where I said, I don't want to be on this earth anymore. Mm. Because hopelessness is essentially our heart saying, I don't think it can get better for me. Mm. There's nothing else. It is when we have hope and it's just this tiny little belief that I can live a better life, even if it doesn't seem real good right mm -hmm. now. And I think it's our perseverance. It's our grit. I think we spend such a, a long time running away from pain mm -hmm. that we don't realize when we embrace the pain, it's when we actually build the grit needed to own it so that it doesn't own us mm -hmm. in our life. And I would say to anyone, I think when we embrace the pain, when we look back at the hard things, we just have power over it. Mm. And then we have hope that we can overcome it and heal from it. So you said embrace the pain. Mm. Unpack that. What does that look like to actually do that? Ooh, child. So we, one of the things that I started off with after I went through a really extensive healing journey is I created a course to help women heal. Like it's not me saying I'm the end all be all, but it says, hey, like these are some of the steps that you could take to really live um, a more hopeful whole life. The first one is awareness. Like, where are you in your brokenness? Are you in a severe state? Like, because that starts to dictate and feed um, where you would go for help. But the second step, which I think is the most important step, is called road mapping. Mm. And road mapping is so difficult because what essentially you're doing is you're looking back at the entirety of your life and you're identifying all the painful points. I get women all the time. That's like, mm -mm, I can't even get past this step. I can't even, I, I don't want to look back. I don't mm -hmm. want that. I've been numbing that for so long. I want to forget about it. I'm actually, or we lie to ourselves. I'm over it. Like I, that doesn't even impact me. I'm not bringing it to my today. And the truth is we leak because our toxicity and our unhealth, it unfortunately does not isolate. Mm -hmm. If we are unhealthy daughters, we are unhealthy moms and wives and friends and coworkers. And so I think in order in order to embrace the pain and how we embrace the pain is by going back, being kind with ourselves, inviting community, safe people, professionals like counselors in to be with us on this journey of going back. Mm. Because truly, we can't heal from it unless we're willing to name it. Mm. You say in your book, I love this quote where you're talking about the toxic people, you know, like when, mm. we, when we've been in toxic situations, you say yeah. the truth is many of us become the toxic people we mm. need saving from. When we ignore our pain, we inadvertently resist the healing we need. So where does all that pain funnel into? Bad behaviors, trauma leakage. I've never heard that terminology before. <laughs> That's Surprise. really good. Trauma leakage and how we respond to and interface with people. We can begin to live out of our brokenness instead of our healing and really hurt the people we love because of it. Mm. That'll preach. I don't look, I'm, it's preaching to me right now. It's preaching to me because we've never arrived on our healing journeys. Mm. We are, I mean, I'm just, I'm on it. I'm one of the things I'm so looking forward to next week is this, my counseling session. Cause she's been off for the mm. holidays and I'm like, sis, where are you? <laughs> you need to come back. Okay. Because I understand that trauma leaks. Mm. I'm the best version of myself when I admit that I have never arrived on my healing journey, that 
the only way for me to show up and be a whole mom and a whole wife is if I keep looking back, as if I keep reminding myself and practicing humility, right? And just saying like, I am broken in these areas. And we're talking about scars here. They don't have to be wounds. I don't think we should operate out of our wounded places, but there'll always be scars. There'll always be reminders of who we are, what we've come through, why we have the hope. I mean, people ask me all the time, like, man, why are you such a hopeful person? Mm -hmm. Everything you've been through. Hope didn't come from enduring the pain. It came from healing it Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, I'm strong enough to withstand this stuff. Um, And so I think it's our duty to look at our relationships, look at the people around us and make a vow to them that we're going to show up and be the best versions of ourselves. Our healing isn't just for us. And sometimes for me, I wouldn't go to counseling probably for my daughter, Mm. my new marriage, my now son. Oh, you best believe I'm, I'm investing all the way. Mm -hmm. I want that for them. Mm -hmm. So how did you have the courage? You know, I'm thinking if you had this history of all of these abusive relationships, Mm -hmm. how did you have courage then to say, I'm going to step into a second marriage? Oh my goodness. I, it's so funny. My husband and I were joking about this the other night because when we first met, he was like, man, I want to get married. He hadn't been married before. When he met me, he's like, you're my wife. Like, this is it. And I'm like, dude, no. Okay. Like I have a daughter. I don't know if you know that. Okay. I got a little baggage with me. Okay. Um, I, my, my ex-husband is a little crazy. Okay. Um, we have such a great relationship now, but at the time it was just heated all the time. And I just didn't think I was worthy for a second chance at that. Mm. I'm like, I'm like, I've been discounted. Like I'm divorced. And I, got divorced kind of semi-public. I was a youth pastor. I was on staff at a church. Like it's over for me and that's okay. Mm. And it's almost as if I was self-sabotaging a little bit, Mm. you know, like saying it's okay. Like, girl, you, you've already done that. You like, it's okay. Like I was trying to make myself be okay with the smallness of the grace I had for myself, Mm. the smallness of the mercy. Mm. And God was just like, come on, like, come on. This is not, this isn't a game of self-sabotage. It's a game of being reminded that I'm the keeper of mercy and grace, sweet girl. Okay. And, and I think I had to get myself around some friends as well. Um, new communities hard with divorce. If you know anyone listening that has gone through it, it's hard. You lose all your friends. It's mm-hmm. weird. The couples mm-hmm. are like, do we choose the wife or the husband? Like who do we, which, which direction do we go in? And I remember one of my friends, when I, when I told her about my now husband saying, oh man, I'd love to take you on a date. And I'm like, no, dude, it's, it's okay. You don't want this. You don't want this baggage. She goes, Tony, you deserve this. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was like, deserve. I'm like, no. I mean, I was like self-deprecating at that point. She said, you do. Mm-hmm. You deserve happiness. You deserve a second shot at love. And I think sometimes when we don't have the courage, it is important that we have community around us that can lend us some. Mm. that we can borrow. And so I think that's how I got the courage. Mm. Other people gave it to me. And how long have you been married for? <gasps> Seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful 
for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. So how has it been for you you know, you've gone through all of this brokenness and then all this abuse and you have then gone to counseling and then to, you know, get married again. Like what, what has that been like for you? Cause I, I'm sure it's not just like a one and done thing of like, okay, I can receive this grace that God has given me in this mercy and step into this marriage and it's all good. Listen, what's crazy. And I tell people this all the time. I'm like, Healing is not linear mm-hmm. and it is extremely painful. Mm-hmm. The anxiety didn't show up until I started to address that I had something to be anxious about because mm-hmm. I was numbing and hiding. And so it wasn't until I started going to counseling that the anxiety came, so severe anxiety, insecurity bubbled up because I realized that, oh my gosh, like all these people had done this to me. I mean, in my first mm-hmm. counseling session, I like ran through my whole Rolodex of pain and my counselor was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, mm. yeah, yeah. She was like, no, let's sit in that for a second. Mm. Oh gosh, counselors, they're, they're just so good about that. Let's sit in that. And I'm like, no. When I addressed all those things, I became incredibly insecure. It's like this fabricated fake confidence that I had just vanished because it wasn't real. It had no foundation. What The depression came when I realized that I had endured all that and I had so long to go, so long to go to rebuild, to become a more whole person. And so I, I think what people need to know is that you don't just hop out of toxicity, trauma, abuse, and think, oh, if I just change my friends, if I get into a new environment, it's all good. Mm-hmm. No, you bring you with you, mm-hmm. including everything that's been done to you. You bring it with you in every situation, relationship, job experience, et cetera. And so for me, it was treacherous. Mm -hmm. I still look at my husband sometimes and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for staying. Mm -hmm. Thank you for staying because all that bitterness, all that hurt, all that pain that I'd endured, I just piled onto him Mm -hmm. in our new marriage, in this new thing, because I believe the idea that if I just got a new, if I just got into a new Mm -hmm. blank, it would all be fine but I had real work to do. And I mean, he paid for the majority of my counseling, Mm. but I mean, I still look at him. I'm sorry. I'm like, Oh, sorry, buddy. That was a little crazy. Wasn't it? You know? And he stuck it out and we had to, I mean, I brought so much baggage into our marriage, into our relationship that we then had to go to counseling to fix Mm. the things that I had broken in our new marriage. And so it was just like this uh, this stupid roller coaster 
a beautiful redemption at the end. Um, but it was hard, so hard, so hard. So there's probably a lot of people listening who have a fear of being in an abusive relationship as in mm. like, sometimes you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, is, is this going to be toxic? Is this going to be abusive? I don't even know. How do I spot those signs? And yep. I think you probably would be someone who could have a lot of wisdom to share oh, for that. Yes. Well, I think at the end of the day, our fears can either lead us to wisdom or lead us to hiding. Mm. Like it just is mm. what it is. We can allow our fears to, you know, allow us to have boundaries, right? Mm. Like boundaries that are strong enough to keep the bad stuff out, but permeable enough to let the good stuff in. Mm. Or we can allow our fears to just completely shut us down and say, I'm too scared of that. I'm not going for it. I tell my daughter this all the time. She's like, I'm so scared, mom. I don't want to jump into the water. I don't want to do this thing. And I'm like, oh, but you can be brave. And she's just like, but I'm not brave. I'm like, oh, sweetie, it takes bravery real bravery. You're only brave when you face the hard thing. And so for the people that are afraid to go into a new relationship, to be blinded by, you know, narcissism or manipulation and gaslighting, the key is to be healthy yourself. The healthier you get, the more able you are to spot red flags, to spot unhealthy patterns and behaviors. It all starts with you. I remember asking myself the question, how girl, how do you end up in abusive situations all the time? You were abused when you were a little girl. You got with a man that was abusive. You went to a church that was like, how did you, what are you doing? Why are you stumbling into these situations? Well, the truth is I was attracted to what my dad was, an aggressive man, a controlling man. And it wasn't until I healed those parts of me that longed for control, for aggression, that I have the man that I do now mm. who's loving and goofy and kind. And he going to tell me all about his emotions. I was like, how are you talking about emotions? And you're a man. He's like, yeah, I'm just healthy. And so I think that's what we do. We get healthy ourselves so that we can be better equipped for our mm. situations that mm. we're afraid of. And for you, that's looked like going to counseling, going to counseling, reading. Okay. Like we miss out on reading. Okay. Mm. Like I, man, for a while there, I was like, I hadn't read a book. I don't think since I was in the third grade, you know, but I started reading up on the things that I wanted, becoming, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert in anything, becoming an expert in the things I was afraid of, mm. right? Becoming an expert in what a healthy marriage looked like. Mm. I never looked at, looked up at that. I was just like stumbling into a situation. Well, what does it look like to really date in a healthy way? What does it look like to date after divorce? All the things that we want and desire, you know, for some of us, you know, for we're Christian, we're like, we're just pray my way into this, right? Like, and I believe in God and I believe God's our source. Awesome. But there are also resources to become somewhat of an expert in the things that we desire and long for. Are we really willing to do the work mm. for the things that we really want? Mm. Real, like, you know, and then that's a bit. That's so good. At the back of the book, I love that you have a lot of practical stuff. Oh yeah, always. Practical patty over here. Yes. And mm. um, so you, you not only have some practical just resources, things mm -hmm. like tips for finding a therapist, which a lot of people will ask me, well, how do you find a good one? You yeah. know, and that, and so you have some great suggestions for that and even websites to visit, numbers to call. And then also you have some scriptures to lean on for mm -hmm. specific areas and then gratitude practices. Oh, Talk to me about that. So why has why are gratitude practices in this book? Man, when you are in an abusive situation, when you have endured the trauma and pain that I have, gratitude's hard, mm. right? Like, because it feels like you're only being served up the scraps, right? Mm. Like, good Lord, Lord, like, where were you, okay? 
But when we practice gratitude, I mean, first of all, we can go down the scientific route with how our neurons wire. What, you know, we have neurons in our brain. They're like this little network of the way that we process things and feel things and the way that we act and treat other people. And when our neurons wire together, so when we have a repeated action, they start firing together. So if there's a repeated action, like in my first marriage, of yelling every time you're angry, like anytime anger comes in, my neurons are going to go, oh, I know what we should do. We should yell, Mm. right? Well, it took me a while to understand this, but if I practice gratitude every day, like every day, and every day is not good, right? Like in the good times and in the bad times, what happens is when something bad happens, my neurons go, oh, it's okay. We can be grateful for this. Mm. We can still be hopeful about this. I think gratitude breeds hope. It mm. just, it like breeds it for us because it brings forth this idea and, and it opens our eyes and our minds and our hearts up to the little things that have come out of really hard situations, the little things that have come out of even just every day, like princess parking. I got princess parking this morning. I got a matcha. I was like, yes, man, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and it changes us. It ch- mm-hmm. I mean, and there's all kinds of other scientific backing with like our physical health and the way that, you know, our nervous nervous system works when it comes to gratitude. But I think for anyone that's having a really tough time in their life, I think if they could commit to, let's say seven days, seven days of gratitude, waking up every day, writing a list of the things they're grateful for, they'll start to feel the change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you also have five tips for transitioning out of a toxic community. Oh, and yeah. I would love for you to speak a little bit to the person who they feel really stuck. Mm. Like they recognize this is not healthy, (laughs) but they don't feel like there's any way that they can really get out. Yeah. I think foundationally I had to learn this. It is very difficult. Sometimes I want to say you cannot, but I'm just going to say it's very difficult to heal in the place and with the people that broke you in the first place. Mm. Very hard. I'm not saying you can't. Mama is very, very hard. And so that's, that's it foundationally. We have to know that our community, I mean, and we've, gosh, I mean, we maybe heard this in like middle school and high school, you know, like you are who you hang around, you know, you are, you'll become who you hang around, blah. At the end of the day, it is true. And in order to be the best, most whole version of yourself, you actually need community. And I think sometimes we think we do not. We absolutely do. We need community to hold us up when we're sad, when we're frightened, when we had a bad counseling session, we need it. And so if we need it and we know we need it, then we have to identify who in our circle now in our community groups now and our levels of community, which is what I call it in the book, even Jesus had circles, who in our circles need to potentially be transitioned out, maybe for a little time of healing, maybe for forever. But we identify these circles by like that inner circle, that intimate circle is with you and God, if that's your belief. And then outside of that, it's those close people that know all your business. Okay. From the top to the bottom, those accountability people, I call them that really can, can like be close to you when you need help that you can call after a counseling session and say, my counselor told me to do this. I really don't want to do it. I need accountability. And I think that for a long time, we, we've not practiced this, like we've not practiced the value of community and friendships. And so we haven't done it well, right? Like if we hate somebody, we're just like, you're dead to me. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's a little, I was a little aggressive. Okay. But what we can do is actually transition people really well and say, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going through a tough season right now. If, if I'm honest with you guys on this, like there was a season when I couldn't be alone with my own brother, mm-hmm. loved him, but he did drugs mm-hmm. and I did drugs and I needed to stop. 
And so there was a moment where I put a boundary up and he transitioned from a different level of my community and that's okay. And there were seasons where I needed people that had been divorced before, but when I was trying to fix my marriage, my first marriage, I didn't need those people because a lot of them were like, oh, just, you know, end it. It's like, oh no, I need different people. I need people that can encourage me, that can, mm-hmm. you know, point me to some other resources that can help us right now. So you just gotta, you gotta balance that out. I think community is so important. As we close, I would love for you to speak to the woman who she is you years ago, who she's gone through a lot. I know we have so many women who listen to this podcast who have mm. a lot of very heavy, hard mm. things in their background. Yeah. And she's feeling like, that's amazing that you've gotten to this place, but I yeah. just don't ever think I can. Mm. Like, I, I just feel like I'm too broken. I'm too kind of washed up. Like there's been too much that's done to me. Mm. No one would ever, if they fully knew me, yeah. would stay with me. Mm. Speak to that woman. What would you say to her to encourage her? Yeah, I think the first thing that I would tell you is that hurt and hope can coexist. Mm. I needed to hear that so bad. I needed to hear that I didn't have to be like super fun, Teletubby Tony all the time. I needed to hear that I could be so sad that life just sucked and that I felt so hopeless. I needed someone to come to me and say, but you can throw a little hope in there. I needed someone to say, Tony, you can hold hurt and hope. Hurt and hope can coexist. You can be so defeated and sad and sorrowful and grieve the things that have been lost and the things that you longed for that they didn't happen the way that you wanted them to. And you can hold a little hope too. And you don't have to hold all of it. You can invite some people to hold hope for you until you get ready to hold it for yourself. But I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I don't really say any hard statements. Hope is available always. Mm. It pumps through our veins and hope rises from the dirt. Mm. You're in a valley right now. Oh, the only other place you can go is up, mm. is up towards mountains of hope. So good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing your story. I know Yay. that like being vulnerable and sharing this out to the world, you know, mm. this is sometimes I'm like, I, I wish that I could write books on like chocolate or something. <laughs> Yes, yeah, and, and so you you've written this very just vulnerable, authentic yeah. book that shares your your journey. And thank you for doing the hard work. Like you hey. you put in so much hard work and giving hope mm. then to others through your story, through what you've walked through, and continuing to walk through that, continuing to show up to counseling. Like yeah. you Today. know, instead of being <laughs> to this day, okay. instead of being like you know, I think I'm now, but to recognize that it's a continual process. And so I just, I'm just so grateful for you. And I just encourage anyone listening who if there's just something in you that are like, I need some hope. Mm-hmm. I need to recognize that God can use my brokenness, that mm-hmm. even in my brokenness, broken crayons still color. And so grab a copy of Tony's book, Brave Enough to Be Broken, How to Embrace Your Pain and Discover Hope and Healing. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.